Hello world, this is episode 37. We are live coming at you from Las Vegas here at Madhouse Coffee. Um, this is episode 37 of Field Talk. We are with Trevor and Joe. Trevor and Joe, they're actually coming to us from Utah. Uh, they're nice and, uh, you know, fresh off a, off a nice race yesterday. Uh, we have Trevor Jackson, he's the road captain for Caliber Cycling, PB, LHM, Lexus Linden, and Joe Stewart. He's a team manager. Uh, they look like brothers, but they're not actually. Uh, so we're gonna find out a little bit more about them. We're gonna dig deep into what fuels them in their life and their performance, nutrition, um, some psychological stuff, and stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna go around the table here. We have uh, Trevor, we have Joe, and we also have Danny from Felixer. They're gonna say hi real quick and then we'll get started. Yeah, Trevor Jackson here. I'm incredibly fresh from yesterday's race. I spent the race emceeing the races. I talked for a straight hour during the Cat 1-2-3 race. I think everyone appreciated that, but yeah, it's awesome to be down here. Thanks for having us. It's really fun to be here, so. Uh, yeah, Joe here, fresh off the race too from sitting there and watching the race go by. <laughs> a little too cold for my little body. We were uh, our really, really just doing a lot of support out there, so. But stoked <laughs> to be down here in the much, much warmer weather. Danny here. Just stoked to have these cats down. I lived in Utah for a little bit, so it's good to have uh, my northern family down here in Vegas. We've got people flying in from Portland and from the east side of Vegas, too, so it's a good turnout. Pretty psyched to have everybody. Let's get to the questions. Yeah, right on. We have an awesome, awesome crew here. Uh, great vibes, lots of energy. Uh, so we're just going to go over a quick little bio about Trevor. Uh, he began bike racing in March 2013. March 2013, that's really new, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. But your background is in skiing as well, huh? Skiing, yeah, we'll, skiing, we'll, we'll jump into that in a little bit. And Joe as well. He began in 2013, uh, Utah Valley University Collegiate Cycling Team. Uh, were you studying at all or just mainly on the bike? <laughs> I mean, you can call it studying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I like I that. I'm still studying. So, so for, for you guys, what was the first uh, memory on your bike? Uh, Joe and I were excited about this one. Yeah. Uh, my first memory uh, is going down the sidewalk. Going down the sidewalk taking a left-hand turn into the driveway and smashing into the basketball standard. That was my first memory on my bicycle. Damn. That's insane. Yeah, I got right back up, though. I got back on it. That's good. That's back good. Back on the horse. It's it's weird because, weirdly, mine, like, I was living in Southern California. That's where I grew up. And the only thing I remember, I don't remember where we lived. I don't remember the house, but I remember a big hill. And going up there, I don't even think I had, like, real pedals on there. It would just spun, you know, and I'd bomb in this hill, lost control, and head first into a mailbox. <laughs> and I just remember, like, denting the pole and <laughs> just going inside and being like, man, I'm jacked up, slept the rest of the day, and that's all I remember. Our I don't remember much of California better. after that. Yeah. Our bike handling has gotten better. A little yeah. bit. Not much. Well, the recovery time was a lot quicker back then, too, huh? That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that when you trade in for a skateboard? <laughs> That's when I decided, like yeah, bikes aren't for me. I'm going to a skateboard. <laughs> so I can hurt, dangerous, hurt right? myself a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you guys actually get the racing bike? Yeah, 2013. I think we both did our first race together. Dixie Classic. Dixie Classic. Yep. I got dropped at the wall, as I still do sometimes. <laughs> uh, I think, Joe, you did pretty well. Yeah, I finished in the groove. Yeah, I was off the back. But thought I thought I knew how to sprint. Just followed some random wheel and almost ended up in the gutter. But, you know, it was good. Yeah, I was I was hooked immediately, though. I loved road racing for my first race and just caught the bug and went all in. Yeah, it was kind of it was weird because I didn't really know what to expect. You know, you, you go out on group rides and you think like I'm the I'm the king. I can beat all my friends up the hill, and then you go to a ride and it really humbles you. And after that, you kind of 
you want more. You know, you can't stop. It's all you want. You just gotta keep going and going and going. Kind of yeah, level so yeah, exactly. You get that big group ride, and you're up on the front pulling everybody. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you get into a race, and you're like, holy crap, these guys are. Uh, yeah, everybody's you know, pulling you after exactly. that. Exactly. Look at the legs of people. And, so, in terms of racing, though, did you have family members already, like, kind of uh, in that environment, racing at all? Or? Not racing specifically. Um, the way I got into riding road bikes was through my mom. Uh, my mom liked to ride road bikes, and uh, my dad had a road bike, and I just took it from the garage and started riding. And then when I graduated high school, my parents bought me an $800 bike, which seems so cheap now. That's like less expensive than one of my yeah, front but wheels. But 800 back then was like, oh my god! Oh, it's so expensive. It was a Moto became from, <laughs> yeah, from from BikesDirect.com, and they bought it for me for graduation. I moved to Salt Lake to go to school and, and just started riding. Uh, just everywhere and my mom and I would go out on the weekends and we would try to ride as far as we possibly could just for the sake of riding as far as we possibly could and we'd ride like 100 miles every single weekend and that's really when I fell in love with uh, with road riding. And what about yourself, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I grew up riding mountain bikes with my dad and you know, he raced like 12 hours at Sundance and did really good and so I'd, I, that was my introduction to racing and, you know, watching the tour and different things and uh, my mom would mountain bike with us and then she showed up one day with a road bike and so I just started playing around on it and I was like this is really fun so I'd go steal their bikes and ride and ride and ride and one day I just turned up at a race and started riding and haven't stopped <laughs> just continued yeah yeah it hasn't been I mean I didn't have like a formal introduction I didn't have friends that were doing it it just seemed fun yeah just something you your body and your soul like draw, draw yeah and it's weird because like i've never liked competition like i was i was never competitive my whole life and then okay. instantly when i got on a bike i was That's competitive okay. <laughs> never played sports you know grew up doing extreme sports like no competitions yeah. just having fun yeah. but put up me on two wheels and all of a sudden that's all I want to do <laughs> man that's I'm, I'm kind of jealous about that that feeling because I was competitive since I was like five years old my parents would throw me into like soccer competitions and that's why at like 21 I was burned out I was like done Yeah. every weekend was like this you know going to Texas or going to you know for three months uh, they sent us out to Belgium you know to compete and it was that's like cool. being yelled at like you know every single day for not like performing you know <laughs> right. performing. Yeah, it, was, it was intense you know it, like, it was pretty heavy so that's good that like now you get to like totally like, rip it up. You know? Yeah. Oh man. That's cool. It's good and bad. You know. I get home and I'm so competitive. I'm wash the dishes the fastest. You know. It's yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Spills over it. Doesn't matter. I tied my shoes problem. faster than you. Yeah. Did. Come on, man. Get in the car. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so in your in your team, you know, uh, there's I bet I met individuals that um, are part of big teams. You know, some of them are like their teams are just like three people. Others are like fifteen. You know, teammates in cycling. Um, how have you guys, in a personal and as a team aspect, uh, been able to overcome adversity through mental and physical uh, fatigue? Oh, man. Well, the bike for me, like, if you have adversity going on, maybe stressed at work, you know, relationship problems, whatever, I like to just get, go out and just smash pedals. Then you feel better. Like, you put everything to the pedals. Just crank and grind. Just crank and grind. You ride for four hours and you got nothing left to give, and you can fall asleep at night you know like that's uh the bike's always been there for me for that so if i'm ever having troubles i just go out and ride as hard as i can and then you feel nothing or you feel better either yeah, way it's yeah. you know it's good i mean you find tremendous clarity in pain oh tremendous clarity right? in pain. <laughs> joe and i were talking about this we love the pain absolutely yeah. like 
part of racing that we love so much is sometimes you can't inflict that type of pain on yourself purposely. It, it comes at the hands of others, and you have to. I mean, if you want to be in the race still, you want to win that race. You're gonna you're gonna reach levels of pain that you cannot reach when you're riding by yourself. So, uh, yeah, finding that pain helps deal with other pain in your life, which is which is kind of a cool thing that, that I only find in cycling. Yeah, I think a lot of it too is like there's something about being on a bike that's just freedom you know like it's for me a lot of the the mental stuff goes away when you get on a bike because there's nothing else to focus on other than what you're doing you know it's, it's kind of escape from all the problems so it's when you're having that adversity getting out on a bike it, it kind of brings clarity more than anything you know it's it's freedom it's beautiful really <laughs> getting, out, getting out on a ride so I've, I've had a good fortune of living up where these guys live uh, permanently getting out and riding on your bike in Utah is not a bad thing that is awesome so you talk about like the beautiful terrain that's there Joe I know you do a lot of uh, fat bike out in the snow right now with the winter time Trevor you likewise get out and crush it in the snow so you guys are year-round athletes um, so that being said maybe explain to the rest of the, the listeners and everything what, what the cycling community is like in Utah and what it's like all the different facets involved with it yeah i mean it's it's definitely still really small i as far as road cycling goes the, the community is very tight-knit it's very it's ebbs and flows you know we've had years where there's so many people around and so many people out and then years where there's really nobody i think where you see the consistency in the utah cycling is the mountain biking the mountain bike scene in Utah is huge, yeah, incredible. The Utah um, High School Mountain Bike League, I would like to see a model of that flow into road racing. I think we have a really good community. We have great races. Uh, I mean, we have Utah Crit Series. We have the Tour of Utah for, for the professionals. We have races every weekend, uh, April through June pretty much. Um, but, you know, numbers are down a little bit in some of the categories. So I'd like to see us uh, kind of copy some of the things that the utah mountain biking scene is doing just to get people out there racing and for caliber sbr that's a lot of what we're about is just finding bike racers and getting them to bike races i think that's the most that we can do for the community yeah um, I, I think a lot of our our team was founded on more of you know like yeah we like racing we like doing all that stuff but ours is about people you know like we we're a tight-knit group of people. It's our friends. We That's all we want to do is ride bikes together. So, like, racing and stuff is cool, but it's more let's meet up and ride and have fun and have good conversation. Yeah, so, like, if you, it's not like you need to have the same jersey and the same, you know, uniform to go out and ride. It's more just because of the, the other human, right? Man, show up on a beach cruiser in shorts. We don't care, <laughs> you know? Like, it's, it's about having good conversations and just meeting people. Yeah, that's, much that's, like this group that's here right now, yeah, like... We've got... We've got uh, Nevada State Champion for Cyclocross here. Mr. Grill. Somebody from the Hungarian mob here and individuals from all facets of like, you know, the community here all rode in to, to hear it on this podcast and live, you know. So it's Well, I mean it's it's an interesting thing being able to like leave a state and we're come somewhere where like I've never been and I don't really know people and then instantly you know people and feel accepted. Like that's that's a rare oh, thing. Especially in Las Vegas, like I can't believe how <laughs> I can't believe how accommodating um, everyone is here, how nice everyone is here. Uh, I've been in town for like 10 days actually. I stayed at uh, Tony's house, Tony from Allegiant Cycling, uh-huh. he runs the Allegiant team. Yeah, yeah. And Tony and Jill opened up their home, let me stay in their home, cook for me, brought me out to dinner, brought me out to the bars, like made sure I had someone to hang out with on New Year's, like just so accommodating. So uh, kudos to Vegas. I'd, I'd like to see Salt Lake become that accommodating to all of you if you want to come to Salt Lake and actually race. like. 
love to open up my, my or, own or not race you know, just come on hang race. out come and hang come out come ride yeah. some big mountains yeah. with us yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know all the local parts. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing that you guys mentioned all this because, of, you know, a big reason why we wanted to even start the podcast is to kind of build bridges with other cities, not just within our city in Las Vegas. Because sometimes, you know, you know how you feel between Utah and, and, and Vegas. We feel that between, Same, you, between yeah. Summerlin and Henderson. Yeah. You know right. I mean? But there are moments where, like, everyone just, like, comes out for a massive ride and everyone knows each other. Like, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so building, I mean, we're building a bridge right now. You guys are ambassadors of all <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's cool. Um, if you guys weren't cycling, right? Like, if cycling wasn't part of your life, what, what other, what would you be into right now? I would ski, I would work, and I'd be way fatter. <laughs> Dude, my, my wife gives me flack for this all the time because I'm, like, the king of having a hobby for a year and then changing a year and then changing. Before this, it was, I was doing Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. Before that, it was skateboarding. Before that, it was... Riding mountain bikes, so weird. That's all come from a circle, but you're, you're a cycling ninja. Yeah, I'm cycling ninja. <laughs> yeah, watch out for me. <laughs> no, I think honestly, I would probably just be hiking, and I'd probably end up rock climbing because that's what my brother does. That's in right now, rock climbing. Yeah, dude, that's in, right? It's that's trendy. is that cool right what now? That's, that's probably it's, it's yeah, trending. Yeah. Whatever's sure. trendy, that's what I'm living I'd be doing. in your van. Yeah. That's super trendy. <laughs> I live in my van. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd probably be doing something outdoors. I just enjoy hiking a lot, so I'd probably just hike all the time. Right on, right on. Well, I, I see you guys are you guys are like full on uh, caliber right now. Man. Kit it out, hoodies, yeah. hats. So what, what is SBR? So SBR is a bike shop in Orem, Utah. Okay. Um, how long has SBR been there? It's been there a long time. Long time. Yeah. Have, have they have they uh, been with you guys since the beginning? Since you guys were you know coming up? Like, yeah. How's been the growth of your guys, Steve. So it's it's funny because it all started out really with UVU cycling. You know, Danny was a part of that UVU yeah. cycling that was, was sponsored. On, the way. I was on for the second the second year we did that. So it was all it was all packaged within the university, and so we would race under the. Um, the collegiate season, right? So we could do USA cycling races, but then also be in a collegiate conference. Um, and then we saw kind of numbers shift off, and then you had this this new group come in, Joe and a bunch of other people really kind of put some more blood back into it. And then it's just, I'm, I'm pleased to see, now that I've been down here for almost five years, the growth and expansion now into uh, what it is. I'll let you yeah, take over. Yeah, I mean, so like the, the UVU thing is, they're still there collegiately, but, you know, as all of us moved on, we all kind of had the shop that was sponsoring UVU, which was SBR. Uh, we were all riding for different teams. You know, I was riding for FFKR. You were on Salt Cycle. Yeah, I was on Salt you know, Cycle. And we, we had a, a friend, uh, Tyson Solberg, who went over to SBR, and he's like, we need to make this a, a real program and kind of bring the community of Utah County together. And SBR stepped up, and it's, it's kind of been growing ever since. It started out with, you know, three people, and now we have... 40 plus I think people, we have 40 like, team members, yeah. 10 person Cat 1 2 team, you know, like it's, it's cool. come full circle. <laughs> so are, they, are they like uh, the age groups are all, all around the board? You have masters as well? Or do you have I mean, we have people that could race masters. We've never, we haven't gotten that far yet to a masters program. It's, you know, a one through five. You guys will probably be the first, right? In a few years. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Joe, I'm a little younger than yeah, Joe. Yeah. I'm, I'm hitting that point where I want to race masters at this point. Race masters. Uh, we might get the shop owner, uh, Alan, Alan Sumnell. He might race masters. Yeah. Get him out there. No, I, I think the next big thing for us will probably be junior development. Yeah. Uh, and and a master's team. program. Women's, is, women's team, we have yeah. like full women's team coming on. Women's road captain. It's going to be big this year for us. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we're excited. And, and Alan, the shop owner, has been incredibly supportive of it all the way. I owe Alan a lot for supporting me when I was a new Cat 3 in 2015. 
um, and he's he's totally behind it and he's helped us out a lot. So we're gonna thank him. Right on, right on. So what if uh, if there was a cyclist that just came in, you know, like fresh your team, what would be some of the first like tips that you would give them to kind of welcome? Them? Man, we have this a lot actually. <laughs> we do because we do these like Saturday group rides where it's you know come one come all. It doesn't have to be on the team. It's anybody, and so it's it's us. The, you know, you got the advanced guys on the front pulling, and us dropping back and kind of talking to people and trying to give tips. And my, I mean, my big tip would be find a mentor, find somebody yeah. you trust, ride with them, and ask them lots of questions. That's that's would number you, would, one. Would it impress you if the rider, if the young rider, the new rider? approached you, you know, now was asking you questions, or are you kind of like, are you going to go after them? It's a mixture. I like to make people kind of uncomfortable, so <laughs> I'll come back and talk to people and make you feel that's a little a bit answer. weird, but I think being able to approach somebody is important, so that's, yeah. I, I would love for them to approach me and ask me questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm an open book. Yeah, I, I'm, I try to be approachable, but I do reach out for the rider who's maybe a little timid and isn't sure what to do. I, I try to recognize that. You know, extend a hand and, and help them out. Kind of break that barrier. Yeah, absolutely. Let them know that you are approachable. Because, you know, it's, it's such a stigma, I think, in, in cycling. It's right. People start measuring ourselves against others. Like, oh, my equipment isn't as good as yours, so therefore I won't be a good cyclist and all this stuff, you know. But you yeah. find somebody as, um, you know, as accomplished as you guys. And like we have here in Vegas, uh, Nathan is one of them that I, I revere a lot, you know. Really open and, and bring in that community. You know, right. I love it. I see those stuff on the, on Strava, your, your Saudi rides. And you guys are you're stalwart. Like you continue to do it. There's got to be days where you're like, I don't really want to get out, but we got to keep the momentum going. <laughs> yeah, yes. talk about zero degree rides. Man, it's <laughs> cold up there right now. Yeah, it's really cold. I mean, I, I think it's really hard, and it's really hard to get out of your comfort zone. You know, so as a, a new person into racing, and you see these people with five, six thousand dollar bikes, and you're on a hand-me-down bike with no clip pedals, it's it's intimidating to walk up to somebody yeah. and just ask them for advice. And you know, we were that kid like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't was, been that long. Brand we've new been there, right? <laughs> yeah, we've been there. I didn't know what I was doing. I'll always remember uh, my, my coach now, Cortland Brown, um, at that Dixie Classic, that first race that I did, I was off the back and Cortland was off the front in the pro race. Cortland's just signed his pro contract with Estella. It's like, he's a big shot, right? And he's passing me during a race and he slows down to say, hey man, how you doing? I'm like, I'm dying. How are you doing? He's like, I'm okay. And then he takes off. And I'm like, man, that guy's that guy awesome. Like, that guy's so race. cool in the middle of a race. And he won the race, but like, he was off the front for like 60 miles solo. Like, anyway. I could, I could totally see that, awesome. that, that moment, you know? Yeah. Like, and it was so cool. Yeah. Corland, like, that was such a cool moment for me. So, he's so smiling. He's at, like, you know, what are we, uh, 18 minutes into his <laughs> Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Corland <laughs> Brown. Hashtag Plan 7 Endurance. <laughs> what, what are you guys doing to optimize your race plan? Uh, are you guys doing it individually? Do you do it as a team? Do you guys have meetings? Are you just like, you know? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was part of the structure of bringing the team together is offering a coaching option. Like, it, it's kind of on your own, but we do go through Plan 7. Cortland coaches me. He coaches he Trevor. Coaches both of us, and he yeah. coaches Keaton. Uh, I think a few others on the team as well. So we put a, all hands in with Plan 7. But, you know, training's a very personal thing. Everybody has a different schedule, different ways they train, different emotions when they train. And we kind of have to leave that up to the rider to, if you want to train, be there. But, uh that's up to you. And I think the challenging part is taking uh, the different parts of the team, uh, coming up with a race plan and then executing on that race plan. Um, and I learned how to do that with Canyon Bicycles Shimano last year, which I think will really be useful for our team, our, our Cat 1-2 Elite team, uh, as you kind of try to figure out what we're doing. Because uh, we, we 
don't know what we're doing. A lot of the guys in the in the Cat Twos are brand they're brand new. But we'll take that experience. We'll talk before a race. We'll say, hey, here's the heavy hitters that have come to this race. This is how the race usually goes. This is what we're going to do in these situations. And then uh, actually executing on that is the, the difficult part, I think, during a race. And uh, communication becomes key. So. You have to have a tight knit. You have to tight knit team to actually are execute you, are, the race are plan. Are you using like any sort of technology for that? Like, are you guys? Oh yeah. Too much technology. Are you just like drawing on a piece of paper? Like little stick people. Here's the race. Here's the end of the thing. Like, it's not an Excel sheet. Like, what are you guys doing? No, it was just Passing talking. Mid race. Yeah. No, I think training wise, everybody, we're all on power meters. Everybody on the one two team, I'm pretty sure, is on a power meter at this point. Everybody's got a Garmin. We all use training peaks. Yeah. Uh, you know, coaches analyzing and we're performing. That's really but for the, the, actual, the actual race plans themselves, that really comes from the the road captain. At least that's, that's how we did that with uh, Candy Bicycles with Shimano. So, uh, so we don't have like an Excel sheet. It kind of comes from one person's mind, but a collective effort. Um, nothing so, beats experience, man. Nothing beats experience. Training's yeah. important, but you know, nothing beats experience when it comes to a race plan. Yeah, you can write down all you want, but having having someone like you know, we have Jared Gilliard on our team who's been pro for 11 years you know he's he's got all that experience in him so so when it comes to planning all that no doubt it takes a healthy amount of your time how do you guys optimize your schedules where you've got family time you've got work and, you know and recovery like how do you uh, how did you go about developing a schedule that works for all this trial and error <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's it's such a balance you know I, most years i've been very selfish the last three years of the four you know just whenever I want to ride I put training in get home from work train this year I've tried to change it up and do the wake up at 5 a.m ride for an hour and a half on the trainer go to work come home go hiking so that I can spend time with my wife actually you know I'm trying to find a lot more balance this year and keep the family time keep the wife happy so that I can continue to race (laughs) she's been she's been awesome you know that's it's a hard thing to let someone spend 15 hours a week on a bike yeah, it's a lot of time. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working full time, so you got you have customers to answer to, coworkers to answer to, uh, like in a good way. Care factor is very high at work, but um, you just have to find a balance and execute on that balance and do it day in and day out, full gas, and uh, find time to recover. Sleep, eat. But that being said, do you, do you allow yourself like the the mental break where it's like, hey, I didn't get out and get to train as much as I wanted to today, and that's gonna be okay? Or how do you how do you shift yeah, the mental side of things too? That's definitely something that comes over time. You know, when you first start training, especially with a coach, you you think every minute is so important. You know, like if you miss a workout, it's over. You're gonna lose the next race. But I think with experience, you realize. It's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. You can make it up. One workout is not going to change the world. No. <laughs> Unless you're pro and that is your full-time Unless job and you job. better be on that bike all day long. <laughs> yeah, you got to see the forest through the trees. There's peaks, there's valleys. You got to have a long-term look. Um, well put from the skier right there, right? Yeah, that yeah. Let's try out the skiers. <laughs> what was the most memorable, uh, you know, experience for 2016? What was your favorite race? <laughs> uh, for me, it was probably Ofer. The Ofer Omnium, the road race, was kind of a, a good one for me. I finished second, climbing specific race, you know, being in the breakaway and trying to <laughs> compete against a bunch of Cat 1s was awesome, you know. It was 
there's nothing like it, especially the first time being in a one-two breakaway and realizing how hard it is and how talented people are. It was awesome. <laughs> that, was, that was the best for me, man. Ofer was, was You had great. a good race. Show was on great form. Was there, was was there a specific, like, uh, you know, memory in, in the in that race? race? Oh, yeah. Uh, like someone giving you the I mean, finger so, or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, because the way the race played out was, you know, Canyon was in full force that day and pulling all day. And it's like a big hill in the middle. So we went up both sides of the hill. And on the way back, uh, I attacked with the climber from uh, Canyon, Mitchell Peterson. And we caught a group. We caught the breakaway group. And then the four of us just booked it to the end, the last probably 32 miles in a four-man breakaway. And just being in that breakaway and doing that attack and being like, I got this, I got this. And then Mitchell rode away from me in the middle of the attack. And I was like, I don't got it anymore. I don't got it. (laughs) And then, you know, having the confidence in myself to be like, all right, just maintain. I'll get back on and getting back on. And then finishing, you know, like it was, it's pretty epic. Dude, about Mitchell, a little side note. So we, uh, we hosted the, uh, the collegiate, um, championships at UVU, right? Yeah. At the time he's riding for University of Utah and he just shows up. And we're doing this crit. The weather's a lot like it is right now, right? Yeah. It's the one-two as well, or at least at that time it was the A's. So everybody's racing, right? They're going crazy. Mitchell shows up, and he laps the whole field, dude. <laughs> and, like, you've got this red hair just underneath the helmet, just burning past just people. Skinny. And when you look at the dude, yeah, you're like, this guy rides bikes? And, oh, yes, he, like, kills people oh, on it, dude. He's so that's awesome. But he's so humble about it, too. That's a fun yeah, thing, he's man. a cool guy. So how did, that, how did that break fair for you, Joe? It was good. I finished second. Right, you know, Mitchell you was the only one that beat me. Nice. <laughs> what about you, Trevor? Favorite race memory last year? Yeah. Probably Tora Walla Walla. Um, one, because it's just gorgeous up there. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, we stayed at an awesome host house. I went up with my girlfriend at the time, and we just had a really a really fun time. Um, the racing was awesome. Like, closed roads, so rolling closure. Um, kind of like farmland country, just rolling. Uh, really good terrain for my style of racing. Uh, on the last day, I think stage five, I got into the breakaway really early, just like really randomly. Like it was like you, you look around, you're like, oh, I'm in the break. Okay. Um, rode the breakaway for four hours. I was in the virtual yellow for a few for a few moments because we got like three and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then Jacob, uh, I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong, uh, Rathi Rath from Jelly Belly. Okay. He used to ride for Garmin, I think, at some yeah, point. Yeah. He single-handedly reeled back the breakaway and so we got caught and I was I was dying I was absolutely dying I probably lost like eight pounds of water because it was kind of hot up there for that stage um and then I, I bombed the descent with the rest of the group going into the final climb and I am not a climber at all and <laughs> I dug like deeper than I have ever dug ever ever like hallucinating like digging deep to stay with this group and I got to the top with like the final 10 people there's like 15 people and i made it and i started like bawling i was like crying because it was so hard to get oh up that God. climb and i, I was feeling like, your pain right now <laughs> just digging digging you see it in your face you know, that's just like yeah. a huge imprint in your oh, mind huh? yeah that's my favorite memory like i didn't even like try in the sprint because like the race for me was like getting over the climb so like i got like the 10th place in the sprint like yeah. nothing but do you remember um, any any sort of like filter in, in your vision that in that race i didn't i didn't see anything right you didn't i was like see out of my body it I was couldn't, like super like, hazy huh? yeah like nothing like i was just on this hill just suffering and then i was on the downhill i made it i was bawling my eyes out <laughs> totally broke you bro <laughs> totally broke me so that was my favorite memory last year sick yeah gnarly 
Um, let's jump into some training stuff, man. Um, what is your training and racing philosophy, you know, in general for you guys? Ride how you feel. You can, I mean, training's important, but really if you wake up and you don't feel like training, it's going to be crappy training anyway, you know? You have to listen to your body. To me, like, recovery, sleep, rest is so important. I, I can't do anything if I'm tired. So, like, for me, training is important. I'm really dedicated to it, but if I need a day off, I take a day off. I, I think that's gone a long way for me, too. Yeah. I generally stay pretty injury-free from it. <laughs> generally. Generally, yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a the same cut from the same cloth on that. Definitely deliberate practice. Um, but don't do a workout just because it says do that workout. You gotta you gotta feel the effort. You gotta feel the training. Um, you gotta pay attention. Don't just be a power meter like nerd. Like learn how to ride your bike. Pay attention. Pay attention to your body. Your body, right? Yeah. yeah. Have, have fun while you do Speak it. Speak to your have fun too. <laughs> Listen yeah. to your legs. Yeah. yeah. yeah training it can be so monotonous, you know, and so boring out on the roads by yourself for hours. Man, you gotta have fun. Find a way to make it fun. Listen to a good podcast. You know, do something. I mean, I'm not saying put your headphones in and ride, but if you're yeah, inside yeah. on the trainer, listen to a good podcast. Some, something to break it up, laugh, have fun while you're doing it. Like all the Fulitzer stuff. Yeah, music, all the Fulitzer. Right? I mean, yeah, I've been listening to them nonstop. Right there. I was listening to it while I was shoveling my driveway the other day. <laughs> 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 Called that my workout. <laughs> and you have to have reasonable expectations too, right? You know, oh, yeah. You can easily fall victim to just, you know, shooting for beyond the moon, right? You're looking for Neptune at that point, and it's just like be discouraged right like we're talking about have fun and, and you know not not ask too much of yourself i i think we see this a lot on the team because we have these guys that you know you train all winter on a trainer in the basement while it's snowing and then you come down in january and try and race and you don't get a result and you just think like i've been doing this i've been training why am i not Crushed. winning i should be winning every race you know i should be lapping the field and it's just not a reasonable expectation to be you know thinking that just the training is going to do that you have to be outside you have to have fun it's it's not the end of the world, you know? It's, it's just fun. Have some fun. That, that must be a huge bummer, too. You said, like, massive expectations. You're expecting to, like, <laughs> oh, my numbers look amazing. You know, my coach is super happy. Uh, my girlfriend hasn't yelled at me. <laughs> Everything's great. And you go out to the race and you just suck. Yeah. You, know, you just get dropped and you feel like crap. You know what? And it happens I mean, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's racing. Yeah. That's racing. You, uh, <laughs> I laughed the field and I felt like shit. <laughs> yeah, realistic expectations. I always joke that as bike racers, we're the best people at losing because that's all we do. We lose every single week and we go back and lose. We lose and lose and lose. And sometimes you win and it's awesome. But, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. That's the sport. You usually lose. I mean, honestly, if you win once a year in this sport, it's pretty amazing. So it's, I think, like, for me, like, we take a look at the professional side of things, like, this past year, right? Matty Heyman wins Perry River Bay, right? Yeah, that was awesome. 17 years. Yeah. I've never had anything like that, dude. It's like, you just, you just do your thing and have fun. Otherwise, like, get out of it. You're not going to, you're not going to excel at anything. Yep. Yeah. Not, not really chasing results, right? No. Never chasing results. No, and I think that's something that comes with having a, a fun team around you and good people around you is, like, the results, as, as cool as they are, they just don't matter, you know? Like, it's it's great yeah. to get results. Spon- no, no sponsors. Sponsors, sponsors, like sponsors we're going to win. We're going to win every yeah, single you know, race Every race year. we go to, we're going to win. Product is perfect. But, you know, like, sponsors <laughs> like to see you out having fun and enjoying life and doing more charitable work than they like to see results. Yeah. And, you know, and, that's, and that's more important in the long run anyway. And honestly, sometimes at bike races, the worst part of the whole trip is the bike race. 
that's the hardest part that's the worst part maybe you crash or whatever what we really enjoy is just like being out there with our friends having a good time hanging out if we're not racing we're gonna heckle the race like trevor probably said it nine times on the microphone yesterday peaking for january team camp you know like that's yeah. that's the goal man peak for team camp peak that's when you have camp. the most fun yeah. when does that begin uh, it's in February, February for us, but, but getting that peak, that starts now. Yeah, we're going to peak in February. <laughs> peak team in February, camp. the rest of the season's over from there. Who cares? You know? We just want to win team camp. No, I mean, it's, it's, win it's, team camp. You guys it's an experience. For that? <laughs> yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. We should have podiums. Podium. That's, that's where the, the budget goes to. Podium it's, for uh, podiums for team camp. Know, like, <laughs> best solo attack at nice, team camp. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's a great engagement there. Yeah, so how, how was that mentality evolved over the years? I mean, did you be, did you start off like that right when you, um, you know, in 2013? Did you have that mentality or were you just no. attacking, you know, those PRs and Strava and stuff? No, I, I, I started out very serious. Like, if there was four hours on the training plan, I'm doing four hours. I'm doing the watts exactly. I'm going to I'm gonna do that 10-minute interval to 10 minutes exactly. And then I'm going to go win the race because I want that result. And that crit in January is it, you know. Like, I want to win that crit in January. But you start to realize that that stuff just doesn't matter it's about the people well and i think that's kind of what we were talking about when we first started is you know like you you got on those first group rides and you think you're the best and so every race you go to you think you're the best and you're gonna win and you're just not (laughs) you know (laughs) and i think that's been the mentality that you slowly realize like you're not the best and it's not the end result is not the the most important thing and winning isn't everything you know and that's okay but you're still going to be competitive too like yeah. seriously competitive like, I we, mean, I we still want hate to win we just know we're not going <laughs> to win every time yeah it's, it's it's taken a long time to realize that it's okay and finding joy in your teammates winning is kind of awesome too sure, yeah. yeah share the uh, excitement with the right that's yeah, that's hard being on a, a team with guys that all want to win and then only only one of you can win. So you got to be happy when someone else does. <laughs> we had we had problems. <laughs> we had interesting about the sport. Yeah, people yeah. think it's like an individual thing. It's like no, you got to work together, even if they're wearing a different jersey. You know? Oh yeah. You see a lot of synergy in that aspect of it. It's like share share the excitement with other person because you never know. It might be your turn next. You know. It comes full circle, man. You, you you miss a pull in a breakaway with a team, and then the next time they they miss the pull. You know, like it. Just, it all comes back around slowly. Yeah, unless you're Corlin Brown and you win every race. Locally, <laughs> yeah, all unless you're Corlin. Outliers right there. Right? Yeah, <laughs> unless you're a pro. Nice. What, what are some of the, the struggles that your team faces throughout the year, you know? Whether it's training or the, the race season. Winter. Winter. For me, I'm I'm notorious for burning out early. B4K ends, done. You don't see me for three months. And that's, that's, a, like, that's a race in May. That's, yeah, a race in May, and I'm already burned out for the season. So, you know, that's a big thing for us is burning out on a team, you know. You get so motivated at the beginning of the year, you put in too much work, and mid-season, you're done. It's too much. Yeah, fast in January, slow in May. <laughs> so, and in the winter, I mean, if it snows a lot, like, I'm going skiing. I'm not going to go outside and train one because you can't two because skiing's awesome um so it can be hard to train through the winter you spend a lot of time inside staring at the wall listening to music just like the russians yeah right? just like the russians you know <laughs> put us against the wall and just stare at it no I, I think another thing is balancing different personalities different cultures different i mean we can do it but you know everybody has a different way of doing it it's different religions different backgrounds that's it's hard to deal with. You got to make sure you're saying the right thing at the right time and not offending anybody. You know, 
So does that give you a chance to, to really start working on other aspects off the bike, like core strength and, and, and modifying nutrition for the upcoming year so you can be at your optimal health and prevent injury? I mean, are, is there like a game plan you guys have or is it just kind of something you get trial by trial and error? Uh, trial and error and uh, just getting outside, doing whatever I can to get outside. Like I'll ride my rollers you know, an hour a day, but I'm also going to go Nordic ski an hour a day, go downhill ski when I can, maybe run, do some core workout, pay attention to nutrition, maybe try to cut some weight if I can. I mean, coaching, having coaching, they know the importance of core work. You know, we have, we have core work built into our training plan. It's stretching routines and, you know, different core exercises, but it's like a three time a week focus, you know, an hour focus at the It's most. like routine. I don't even think yeah. about doing core workout because I just always do it. Yeah, you get off the bike, you stretch, you do your core workout. That's so just what, what you do. What kind of gains have you noticed from previously? Like when we get on a bike, it used to be just like, oh, ride fast with a group of people versus now actually having rigorous kind of planned out activities and training. You Once you do a good, a couple like base building years, I think two years of really dedicated base work, that base is kind of there. And you don't. You have to build that base again, but it's easier to maintain that level of fitness again. Um, so I mean, it's like once you've been there before, you know what it's like. You know what you got. You know what you got to do. And there's just not so much unknown. So you're like, well, it's January. I need to go down to Vegas. I need to put in a couple four-hour rides, and then I'll feel good in March. Nice. And so you just don't even have to worry about it. Well, nice. I think. I mean, it's core specifically. I think it's helped with my back pain. You know, like oh, yeah. focusing on your core and stuff. You eliminate a lot of pains in those long, long rides. That's it's been so important. Shout out to Ish right there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Ish has right finished a, a four, four series, um, you know, approach to was it the neck, the shoulders, and the hips. Yeah, on, on the physical want, you want to talk a little bit about that, Ish? Yeah, oh. Ish. Drop down some knowledge. Uh, just, just, just the basics. It's all online. Read it. Click it. Whatever. But, um, yeah, like uh, they were saying, it's super important to keep... Because that's the one that can connect the two, you know. Like people think, oh, my legs and my 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 arms are separate, but if you kind of miss that middle, you lose all the power, and then you, you know you're gonna p- get pain eventually. But yeah, focus on that and it helps you out on the cycling and in life in general. Yeah. You can fly. You can fly with the Ish program, bro. No, there's not. There's only bike racing. Quit, quit your jobs, drop out of school, do all crazy cat. Don't have a relationship. Yeah, no relationships. Girlfriends take away like at least 30 watts. I'm telling you. <laughs> talk, talk about that. Talk about that, right? Oh gosh. So I mean, children turn away. Your your significant other, whoever it is, my bike uh, can, can can either help or you know detract from your recovery. Right, so what are some important aspects, um, or your what's your approach to recovery? You know, is sleeping included in that? Um, is tequila included in that? Um, is protein? I wish tequila and scratch recovery, right? Yeah. 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 Scratch Scratcherita. Scratcheritas. Nooneritas, because noon noon's a sponsor. So yeah, noon. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah. It's awesome. What's your take on on the recovery, man? Uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's sleep for me. My my wife is fantastic about letting me train letting me do all of this crazy stuff that I do but you know so for me it's I get up early I go to bed really early because I am the most 
sleep deprived person. If I'm sleep deprived, it's over. I don't do anything. I don't work. I can't take the dogs out. I don't talk to people. Like, and then I don't train. <laughs> He's grumpy. He's very I'm a, grumpy. I'm a grumpy person. So sleep for me oh, is really? number one. I can kind of see that. It's in your eyebrow. In your oh, yeah, dude. It's in the <laughs> eyebrows. Got that to Joe. eyebrow. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I get so angry without sleep, you know. So, but no, I, I think it's finding balance again, you know. Like, you have to find time to hang out with that significant other and spend time with them. Yeah. And they have to be willing to sacrifice the time of hanging out with you as well. So my cousin gave me a, a, a stuffed Grinch uh, little thing. Nice. <laughs> so it, t- it tells a lot about me. <laughs> so you, so give, was, you give up sleep before races end? So you're just angry on the pedals and like yeah. everybody else. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Not a good no, idea. No. Yeah. <laughs> good. Are you guys into the whole um, like blocking out the blue light before you go to bed? Have you heard of that? I, yeah. I mean, the, I have the little the sleep button on your phone, you know, and it yeah, changes yeah, it. And you screen. There's also people who wear the glasses. There's people who change the light bulbs and they do that yeah I'm one of those weird people that goes to bed with the TV on so I but then again I'm I'm the type of person though that once my head hits the pillow I'm out doesn't matter doesn't matter what's around I'm I'm out (laughs) I I go so hard during the day I don't need any help falling asleep I'll fall asleep immediately TV on TV off I think I could drink Couch. a cup of coffee and still fall asleep. Oh yeah, I've drank cu- coffee and gone to sleep. <laughs> so it's more, you guys have more, you think, of a morning ritual than a you know, bedtime ritual? No, I, I think my whole life is on a very scheduled plan. So it's, the morning's very structured, the night's very structured, the day I'm at work, so it's very structured. Okay. It, my whole life is built on a calendar, basically. And you don't even think about it, really? No, right? I don't you even realize do it. it. You know, I, I save the weekends for fun and excitement and adventure, but during the week, it's in bed by 9.30, you know, at the latest, and I'm up at 5. What adventures so. did, would you say you've been on in the past week? <laughs> yeah, too many adventures in the past week. Came to Vegas. Came to Vegas. Yeah. I, oh, you're in Vegas. We That's explored the nightlife of St. George, Utah. That's there what we did. There is some great nightlife <laughs> in St. George. Yeah? Yeah, surprisingly. What time is it? Is it up until 4 a.m.? Like, what's no. Time? No, no, I think I went to bed at 11.30. It looks like factory rain's going Yeah, oh, no, no. I did spend New Year's in Vegas, and that was pretty fun. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I hung out with Ryan O'Keefe from Allegiant Cycling. Uh-huh. Went to a house party for a while, and then we went downtown. I think I went to the Griffin. Yeah, yeah. The Griffin. It was like yeah. like Hogwarts, yeah. but like with a dance club in the back. Yeah, Griffin yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally different for me. Like the That's town cool. I live in, there's not a stoplight. Like there's not a stoplight where I live, so like there's a lot of lights here. So those those go bit of a culture shock. Right on. Right on. <laughs> You were there as well, right? No, right no. I stayed home. I hang, just hung out with my family and friends. Had a little house party. He had an adventure. <laughs> that's probably the latest I've stayed up in years. Anything past midnight, man, that's that's late for me. <laughs> it's, I feel old. <laughs> you are old, dude. I am old. <laughs> Masters, here I come. You young bucks got you there. <laughs> so there, there was a little bit of a... I heard you, you dropped some involvement right you guys have power meters and things like that do you guys have any other um you know secret technology that you guys use to manage your secret, life uh, nothing we're gonna say in a podcast oh i know we got cash here we can't like it uh, oh, yeah we got cash. no um, <laughs> okay there we go <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So we have we have some you know, Las Vegas locals. Now we have a Las Vegas local that moved to Portland. He's we flew in there. just for this. Yeah. Just, just, for right? this just for this. Just for this. That's why he's here. Yeah. Um, we've got some east what, side. We've got some east side What do you guys think, do you guys think about the, the Vegas um, cyclists? You know, are they any good? Dude, I love Las Vegas. I love the cyclists here. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Seriously. No. I think we have a good competitive vibe. You know, like. 
it's always fun to see the guys from Vegas because we only see them at the beginning of the year, really. Because then I feel like you guys go south, we go north. We go north, yeah. But you know, like we Where see each other, it's fun. Northern Utah, and then up Washington, Idaho, Idaho, yeah. And they go down to California. You know, it's just closer that way. But I, I think we're friendly and competitive. You know, during the race, it's. Yeah. But like, what I remember, yeah. There, there should be. We should like throw down like a you know underground like Utah. Nevada, like, oh, it was fun. Like, so when Ish and I would come up, just racing under the VBS banner, you know, I remember talking to some of you guys, and like, oh, cool, Carefast is here. Now it's going to be a good race, you know? Oh, yeah. We were like the little road guys that just kind of sat in everything like that, but it was cool to see, like, the two groups come in and really dictate kind of, like, how the race was going to be, you know? Because otherwise it was just like, oh, where's, 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 the, where's the competitive nature going to be? Yeah, where is it? Do you guys have a, a memorable, like, any, any, any anything that happened between you guys, the team? Yes. Any fighting? Yeah. No, we didn't fight. Anybody here at least. <laughs> so what happened? Something happened. I know something happened. Uh, I mean, what, what are we talking about specifically? I don't know. <laughs> you <laughs> remember? <laughs> Finger pointing. Are you two years ago? Finger pointing. Are you talking about when I yelled at that one guy? No. Are we talking about just uh, not Desert City? Yeah. We had we had where we had a little dispute. Was that Car- Valley's son? It was a Valley's no, son. Valley's son. Na- okay, you Nathan the Rabbi. Nathan the Rabbi. <laughs> I think he had a flat tire. And then he, uh, I can't remember what happened. Somehow he went past Kevin without Kevin seeing him because Kevin's seat post dropped all, all the way down. Some, <laughs> I'm sitting in between you guys. I'm going to sip out of the way. I'm going to sip Somehow out of the way. he went past Kevin, bridged back to the field, and then got fourth in the road race. He ended up getting disqualified. I didn't see anything because I was on the front. Oh, you didn't see anything. You didn't see anything. I was, I, I was going, I was going front to back because I had to go pee a couple times. You know, Shh, don't tell the officials. Um, but I was going front to back, and like all of a sudden, I'm like, how did he? What? Yeah. Anyway, to keep it long story short, we but our teams did go back like like between you, me, and there's one other guy in that was oh. I remember we were having, like, between Terry, Kevin, and Keaton, there were some exchanging of words. Yeah, there was with Keaton. <laughs> I, I was kind of... We were just, like, sitting there, like, high I mean, yeah, like, Grill and I are friends, but Keaton, Keaton did get into it with the Carefast guys for a minute. That did happen as a Cat 3. That's, that's I forgot about that. But, uh... <laughs> no, no, I really... I, all I in spirit of the game, this right? This is crime against cycling stuff right here. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do have a good relationship with pretty much... All, I think all the Vegas racers, like, I guest rode for Legion at Cascade Classic uh, with Tony and uh, Matt Shackley. Ryan was there. Uh, Jared Gilliard, who writes for our team now, he rode for Candies last year. He rode for Legion. Um, I've been to the shootout. Like, that was super fun a couple years ago. I slept in my car in the Las Vegas cycling parking lot because I didn't know anybody here. <laughs> Oh, that was another oh, disaster yeah. girlfriend story. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put that anywhere. <laughs> names on there. It involves circus, circus, and cocaine. <laughs> no, not kidding. Wow. Not kidding. I slept in my park or my park my, in my car in the Las Vegas cycling parking lot, and then did the shootout four hours, and then I drove back to Salt Lake. I think I went to school the next day. That's an epic day, Madman Jackson, right there. Yeah, I've had I've had some stories, dude. That's brilliant. What a nugget, dude. We love it. I think I think we've always been competitive with each other. We've been in, I mean Grill was with me and Tanner and Tate, I think, in the breakaway at one of the desert cities and you know, we yell at each other, words exchange, and then after it's like, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> it's all it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. We're super competitive, but you know, we're homies. But all in all it's bikes. Yeah. That was a little- 
Yeah, where we caught the field and the. Yeah. Well, one one that I'll never forget was uh, I was out the front with Kevin Turchin at the uh, airport crit in St. George, and I dropped Kevin because he wasn't going fast enough. You know, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, Kevin Kevin is a monster now. Kevin's very fast. He works extremely hard. Um, so I'm off the front solo. My heart rate's above like 200. Like this is the highest heart rate I've ever had for like five minutes. I drank so much coffee that day too. Like anyway, but so Keaton, throwing back to Keaton, Keaton chased me down in the last lap, and then Jeff Mitchell from Carefast beat me in the sprint. And I got second teammate. place. My own teammate. I like. Oh, dude, I'll never forget that loss. That hurts so bad. Nothing like when your own teammate chases you down. Yeah, I'm never gonna let Keaton. We were sitting we were just like, yeah, this is gonna work. And then out of the last quarter, it was just like. I hit it and got him within like 10 meters of you and then I was just like alright he's got it and he got you by like 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 nothing there's a picture of it it's so depressing <laughs> I would great for Jeff but <laughs> I don't like Jeff Jeff's a really good guy too so so in, in addition to going backwards in addition to some of the uh, you know alleged pharmacology that we've uh, alluded to earlier you know a little white substance uh, what kind of package nutrition do you really like to package nutrition yeah. noon and eat Dutch waffles I got a whole box of Dutch waffles in my car that's all I eat so expand on that some, some may have not heard of eat Dutch waffles I'm familiar with it but uh, go ahead and kind of share with that a little bit where are they, where are they who are they where they come from and how long they've been doing this <laughs> I wish I could tell you any of that I, I think they are a local yeah they're a local Utah company I'm, they sponsor the team. They've been very good to us. They're delicious waffles. Delicious yeah. they've, they've waffles. Had, I remember them SBR when I was living up there. Had them for a little while, and it's really kind of small. But it's neat to see the growth of it. Um, Joe Johnson with the whole, yeah. you know, uh, P Town Cross Series was pretty uh, intricate in, in, in moving their stuff up and kind of in the public eye. And that's awesome to see you guys still carrying on with them. And, yeah, they've been really good to us. And it, it's food that's easy to eat on the bike. It tastes good, and it, it's long-term fuel. You know, it's it's life-saving in races for training. It's really taking care of us. <laughs> and you, like, the one of the hardest things to learn going from the Cat 3s to the Cat 1 2 is, is how much you have to eat during a road race. So it's awesome, like, what uh, Fuelixer is doing where, it's my understanding, like, you look at data from, from the athletes, figure out this is how much energy you're burning, this is the type of nutrition you need, and you deliver that to them. So have that, to have that for you is awesome, because it was trial and error for me. I had some terrible races where I did not eat enough, and I have my, 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 one of my best friends, Rob Smallman, next to me, like, handing me bars, like, dude, you got to eat, you're going to get dropped. I'm like, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry. And then I get dropped because I didn't eat. So like, you got to learn to eat. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. So is it safe to say that like part of your training rides is you're implementing like the reminder of like I right, I need to eat something right now. I'm not feeling hungry, but I know I'm going to be in a deficit later. I'm the yeah. I'm I'm constantly riding through the pack. Eat and drink. Eat and drink. Eat and drink. Because there's nothing worse than being on a you know 60 mile group ride and you bonk 20 miles in and yeah. tow you all the way back. It's, terrible and on my garmin i actually have it set to notify me every time i burn 500 uh, kjs because that's when i eat so it's like oh 500 i have to eat something i don't care if i'm hungry like care it's 500 kjs i'm eating so i just kind of learned that trial by error that works for me it doesn't work for everybody but it's it's super important so what's your guys um outlook for 2017 what do you guys have lined up what's your tour looking like 
Well, it's snowing still, so we're not racing this month that much. Yeah, um, I mean, the real race debut will be Ofer. It was supposed to be Tour del Sol, but sadly, RIP, got RIP cut Tour del Sol. The, yep, the race is no more, at uh, least for this year. We have a great race calendar in Utah uh, from April to June, especially in May. We have great races like Sugar House Crit, Antelope Island, B4K Stage Race. I'd love to see some of the Vegas guys up there. I'll be up there. B4K is a good one. B4K is great. It's you know. charity. It's a good one. Charity. We want to get some more prize money into the one two, one twos. so hopefully that attracts some Vegas riders, some Boise riders, maybe even some Colorado guys. That'd be great. Um, and then some of the bigger races our team, uh, Caliber SBR, will do. Uh, we're going to go up to Toro Walla Walla because it's super fun and we think we can do well there. Uh, Baker City Classic, awesome Oregon race. We'll Steamboat Springs in September. Yeah. Uh, maybe get to a California race. Maybe another Colorado race. The main goal for us is really focusing on Utah. You know, the, the racing oh, yeah. in Utah, growing the home scene, trying to get as many people as we can to the local races, and then starting to put our foot out in the out-of-state stuff. So... You know, Washington, Oregon, those are target states for us, and then slowly expanding, you know, that'll be the big outlook for us. What can we do to help you guys uh, expand that and, and get some more exposure? Come up to Vegas, or come up to Salt Lake, sorry, come to Vegas, <laughs> Jeez. We'll come down to Vegas in the winter. You come up to come up to Salt Lake when it's too hot down here to ride. We'll hold the feed bags out for you. <laughs> yeah, come to the yeah, feed zone. Come to Salt Lake. We'll we'll try to find housing for you guys so you, you don't have to stay in hotels. Sleep in your car. Don't sleep in your car in parking lots. It's terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, come up and race. We'll figure out the details. Come up and race. Sure. For sure. Any uh, any special shout outs that you guys want to? I mean, obviously sponsors. <laughs> yeah, listen. Cal- I mean, well, no, with shout-outs, I'll give you a little context. But what I mean is, you know, the um, every single day, right, your whole week is you're either training or on the weekends you're going out for a race. So who are those people involved? You know, who are the components that are, like, supporting you there when you're crying like a little child um, or, you know, you're throwing things out the window because, you know, you're, you're mad? So who is there, you know, at the worst times? Because when you're when you're at your worst time, those are the, the real people that are, you know, your knit, your core, you know. So yeah, who, who are those I mean, people? That's definitely my wife Kate has been the rock. You know, I've I had a really crazy 2016, and she has just been unbelievable. You know, I I, I couldn't live without that girl. She's everything to me. You know, so without her, without my dad, my dad's been a fantastic support. He's comes to every race that he possibly can he drives wheel cars he sits in the feed zone for me you know family is everything for me those those are the people that i really want to thank is my wife my dad my brother his fiance you know like my sister those are the people that are really at my core and really they they do everything for me i love them yeah i'm nothing without the people in my life uh i mean first and foremost my family my mom my dad uh, and all their support my siblings um my, I mean, my best friends like Joe and Tanner, they're some of my very best friends that I get a race with. Uh, Keaton, Keaton as well, he's, he's, uh, he's out in Florida right now. But yeah, Keaton, uh, my coach Cortland, who I've been uh, training with for three years. Uh, my mentor in racing, Rob Smallman, he's a legend. You have to come up and meet Rob. I, I can't describe Rob. You got to meet Rob. <laughs> We're going to meet Rob. You're going to meet Rob. He's a, he is a yeah. podcast. He's a videography. Yeah, and who I've learned the most from in racing is actually uh, my friend Ali Dragu. Uh, she's a professional. She's been a professional cyclist for years. 
uh, just riding with her when she lived in Salt Lake, I, I think I learned more than I learned from just about anybody, especially just uh, working hard and being dedicated. So shout out to Allie. Um, and then also everybody who I work with in the ski industry, Armada Skis, uh, best, best ski company in the world, uh, best family ever. I love my Armada family, so shout out to them. Awesome. So some, let's just do some uh, roundtable rapid fire questions real quick. That'd be kind of... Throw it down. Okay, cool. I'm gonna, I got a little uh, insider information. I've known Joe for a long time, actually. So back when he used to skate shops and everything, so this one's going to be pretty uh, simple. Outside of your cycling shoes, what's your favorite pair of kicks right now? Dude, I'm a classic Vans guy. Vans Authentics all day long. It's all I wear. Nice, nice. Shoes? You were asking the <laughs> wrong person. Dude, I have the worst taste in footwear ever. Ask Joe about it. <laughs> I'll wear anything. He still has airwalks. He's flinching. Dude, like, I had... Do you have Crocs? I don't have Crocs. Keaton has Crocs, and Keaton loves Crocs, dude. Nice. Oh nice. man, shout out to Keaton and his Crocs. Deal. Dude, I, I had this pair of like these ugly, ugly... They were Giro were they? shoes. Giro like shop mountain bike shoes, and I, I offered to buy him a new pair of shoes. I, I couldn't even for, look at them anymore. I wore them for two years. I wore the soles straight off of them. Um, I don't even know what I'm wearing now. Salmon shoes? <laughs> I'm wearing like hiking shoes right now. Okay, yeah, it's he's appropriate. Not, he's not a shoe. Cold guy. weather outside. <laughs> All right, go ahead and introduce yourself and shout your uh, your question here. Uh, I'm Edgar, um, local Vegas cyclist. What whatever you guys liked here in Vegas or favorite restaurants? Anything we can do for you and make you hospitable in the future? The hospitality here is incredible. Food is good everywhere. Coffee's good everywhere. This is, this is like literally my first few hours in Vegas ever spending time here. So I'm looking for recommendations because I'll be here till Thursday with work. So I'll be touring the city a little bit. We got you covered. All so the coffee shops. <laughs> cool. Yeah, what's your favorite climb in Utah? Climb. Well, first, I'm not a climb, climber, but there's this, <laughs> there's this, uh, there's this climb outside of East Heber City, the Heber Valley where I'm from, called the Grind. Ah, sorry, the Grind. It's actually Lake Creek Farms, the road, but we call it the Grind. Um, actually, one time Tanner and I rode with Peter Sagan, and he took us up that climb. This is a tire story, like uh, off off the record, a uh, whole podcast in itself with Peter Sagan. He dropped us super hard, but we kept going. Goes up like 10,000 feet, turns into this dirt road, and goes way back into like uh, the Uinta Mountains. And it's this just rough, rough road. I was following Peter Sagan down this descent, trying to keep up with him. And my hands are like bleeding on my handlebars because it's such a rough road. And he's he's like sitting on his top tube, like looking back, like he's coming. Like (laughs) so, a long answer to the grind in Heber City. That's my favorite. Oh, man. I am I live at the base of American Fork Canyon, so it's, you know, nine miles, 3,000 feet of elevation oh, gain. My. Yeah, the Alpine Loop, man. That's all day long. That's every day riding up that. That's easily my favorite. It changes scenery the whole way. It's, it's beautiful. Fall there. time, man. Those leaves change. Yeah, watch out for cars during the fall, but yeah. it's, they close the road early, so you have the whole road to yourself. It's fantastic. Hey, this is Ish. Again. Uh, you, might, you may have talked about this already, but who's... Um, so you, there's you guys, and there's Canyons, and then Cicada is that the big team? Who are the... Any other, like, bigger presidents? So this is typically the main three Utah race teams that are kind of show presence, usually. Yeah, we just had this conversation, actually. 
just had this conversation on the way down, all the teams that are in Utah right now. Um, I mean, starting at the top, it's Canyon Bicycle, Shimano. Um, they turned pro this year. Mike Pratt, the shop owner, took that team pro, and they're going to do some big things. I'm, I'm really excited for them. I, I got to ride with them last year. It was a really, it was an honor. Um, so they're at the top as, as a pro team. And then there's like uh, Cicada Cycling, uh, Plant 7, uh, Ski City. All the Ski City guys are awesome. They're, they're fast. Um, they have a really good time. They party hard. Like, I love the Ski City guys, dude. Um, and then uh, Contender. Contender. Uh, Cal, I mean, us uh, Caliber SBR, FFKR. Are they still a thing? Yeah, Masters, yeah. Masters Junior. I think. Inter Mountain exists somewhere. I think they're off riding mountain bikes. Um, Zone five. Sometimes, sometimes they race. Sometimes they don't. I don't know. Really know what happened to them. They're good guys. I hope they come back. But um, there's there's a really healthy block, like amount of people up there that are on different teams. There's a lot of teams up in Salt Lake right now. But as far as competitive, I mean, it's Canyons easily at the top yeah, there. Yeah, Canyons top <laughs> They smash. The All right, cool. Daniel, any last uh, closing statements? No, I just want to, you know, thanks for taking time out. You know, you guys are traveling and you're away from home. Um, but it's, it's a real honor to have you guys here and get some insight from, you know, your perspective in life and, and different communities, but how we're all joined by the bike. Um, it's a blast. I mean, it's always a good chance to get together and, and talk uh, talk strategy, talk life, and appreciate you. So thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you guys, man. It's been a pleasure meeting you guys. It's going to be the first of many. I can't wait to go right up there and get dropped by you freaking <laughs> bombers. Um, but yeah, this has been episode 37, and we just unlocked amazing stories from Utah. Uh, catch you guys next time. Peace.